I think a lot of us are here this morning because we enjoy the truth. The truth has made us free. We understand what is truthful and what isn't. God gives us a brain. God gives us his spirit internally so that we can be guided into his will. I was thinking uh, the last 72 hours or so about the area of two disciplines that are needed in the Christian walk. Let me give them to you before I start the message. The first thing is that you are in your Bible reading daily. It is essential that you open up the scriptures other than the church services. The Bible will give you what you need. It, it'll nourish you. It's, it's, the, it's the comfort that you need at times when you're disoriented a little bit and when you're agitated. The, the, the Word of God will help you and give you the peace you need. The Word of God helps us in the area of understanding as we're reading it what God's will is. And it's the Spirit of God that helps us. I call this illumination. And uh, He illuminates the Scriptures. Turn you at my reproof, my correction. And I will pour out my spirit unto you and make my words known unto you. So God, in his wonderful way, through the spirit, will show you what the word of God says. That's illumination. That's the spirit working in you. You have the spirit of God living in you if you have accepted Christ, if you have received him. To them gave he the power to become the sons of God or the children of God. And God gives us that ability if we've received him. If you just have received religion, you're in trouble. Because trouble, religion cannot save you. Religion may give you a moral guidance, but it will not save you. Read Matthew chapter 25 and the parable of the ten virgins. Because we see that in there, moral purity does not save you. What saves you is the precious blood of Jesus Christ and that applied to you when you receive him as Lord and Savior. And that's what's needed. I think some people are on the border of, of, of coming in to the kingdom of God. Some of you are on the fence. I would say today would be the day of salvation for you. It's simply just bow your head and say, Lord, save me. Forgive me of my sin. Sounds like I'm giving the invitation right now. Might as well. Then we can go downstairs and eat faster, right? But, but interesting when we think about this, because it's absolutely necessary that we acknowledge the Word of God and the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God, the Word of God, that's illumination. And then the other area is prayer. You can't get by without prayer. You can't get by without Bible reading. These are the two things that will strengthen you as a Christian. Dear friend, if you're saved, get in the Scriptures and get on your knees. Those are the two things that, of course, the Spirit of God is involved with the area of Bible reading. That's illumination. The Spirit of God is involved with you when it comes to uh, prayer because that's intercession. Romans chapter 8, verses 26 and 27 help us understand that a little bit more. And so in harmony with all of that, and that's free, by the way, you don't have to pay for that sermon. That's a little sermonette. <laughs> we need that kind of reminder that it's prayer and Bible study that'll keep us going in this culture we live in. But as we sail through life, a lot of times we go through some struggles, and I thought, I thought it was good for me to enter into April, the middle of April, getting into uh, May here pretty soon to just kind of push the reset button a little bit and, and return back to our our uh, first um, portion of scripture for the year or scripture for the year and, and, and reminds you of the scripture behind me 
as far as being steadfast and the understanding of being steadfast. And so a lot of times as we're going through life, uh, things may throw us off a little bit as we sail in our Christian life. We often find the winds that blow our way sometimes help us, um, and sometimes they hurt us. Uh, help us sometimes because it just seems like God comes along at the right time with the right breeze to kind of encourage us through life. Sometimes it seems like the opposition and the wind that blows against us um, kind of throws us off course a little bit at times. And we have to remember that God is involved with all of this. Ships, uh, of course, the navigators will often adjust their routes uh, accordingly. If there's current in in a wrong area or winds or storms, they will actually guide their way through differently. Pilots sometimes adjust through uh, storms because of the um, the turbulence that comes, and so in order to bypass that, they may go down, they may go up, they may go to the side. And so life is like that. Winds may come along to try to distract you from the real purpose that God has given to you in life, and you all have that purpose. Uh, God has, has, has allowed you to go through difficulties to help reveal that purpose to you. And maybe you're here today and you really don't have an understanding of God. I want to help you this morning when you, when you look at the scriptures concerning this particular verse. We need to view our problems not as problems but as projects, okay? And so when we're, when we're having difficulties come our way, um, let's not call them problems anymore. Um, let's call them projects. And even if they're people, sometimes do people become problems? I'm not, you guys have come on, let's be real this morning, okay? You guys act like you haven't had your Starbucks yet for some reason. Uh, maybe we should have a coffee break come back into it, maybe. But you can go ahead and respond uh, as I ask the questions. I think sometimes, if we're not careful, we think that people are the enemy. They're really not. The enemy, if you're having difficult with people, um, is probably in the mirror, um, to be honest with you, just, just go back and say, Lord, help me to be able to adjust the sails a little bit to get through this project you've given to me so I can actually finish my course and be able to be steadfast during the difficult times. Let me give you about five things that, uh, that projects come along in our lives. And sometimes projects come along, or problems if you would, often to pro- provide us with greater opportunities. Do you know how many opportunities have come to get the gospel out during this time of COVID? It's been going on for a whole year. But if you're not wrapped up with it, you actually got the freedom to be able to talk to people about Jesus Christ. Not just sickness and that sometimes people die because of sickness. So then you can actually have a door open to talk to people about, okay, what next with you? But also in the area of helping us understand, just looks like the the second coming is about ready to come. Now, the scriptures sometimes, people take that out of context and talk about the last Trump. They were saying that that was Donald Trump. I don't think that that's what it says. Uh, even though he has another Trump in the White House, it could be the last Trump. We don't know. But just kidding. He was in the White House, but now he's not. But it's interesting as we think about this because sometimes God reveals that my projects have come or my issues have come in life to open up more opportunities so that I can serve. Do you know what? I'm not really a gadget kind of guy. Look what I'm using this morning. A gadget. This has come out of the COVID crisis. I've ran to my technology because that's all I could use. We used to set a little tripod up here, and I'd put it up, and we only had 10 people in the auditorium during that time, and I'm like turning it on and off, then running up here 
you know, because I don't know how to work this stuff. They probably have some kind of a Bluetooth device now. I know what Bluetooth is now. (laughs) I'm growing in grace, right? But it's an understanding that sometimes our problems can actually open up more opportunities. I think when projects come, we can increase our spiritual maturity during that issue when we work through it. Because God has allowed them to come to us. And if we, first of all, accept God as being sovereign, that helps us with the project that we have in front of us. Is that we say, Lord, I know this issue is difficult for me. This project seems so much bigger than I can deal with, but I'm giving it to you. I know that you are a sovereign God. I know that you'll help me through it, and it'll increase your spiritual maturity. Number three, problems really prove our integrity when projects come to our lives. Because a lot of times when we have issues come, uh, the real you comes out. And uh, get a flat tire on the way to church or... Or, or, or have your engine quit on you at, a, at some stoplight on the way to work when you're in a hurry, and the real you comes out. You know, uh, sometimes stress and difficult things, when they happen to us, the real us comes out, and then we can see really who we really are. And so God helps us with that. So we can't look back at affliction or issues and problems that come into our lives as, as issues that were there to meant for hurt, to hurt us, meant to help us and to be able to really see the real us and, and really reveal whether we have that integrity or not. Uh, projects produce a better sense of dependence, doesn't it, when we have issues and projects that come into our life. And maybe you've had one recently where you were thinking, I don't know what to do. This is just too hard for me, Lord. I'm going to just give it to you, Lord. I'm depending upon you. Do you know what God wants? God desires for you to depend upon him every day and every hour. God desires to wake you up in the morning for the purpose of praising him, but also to say, Lord, I know that you're going to help me through my difficult times today. I'm going to depend upon you. Depend upon him when you go through an illness that you can't control. Depend upon him when you get a bill that you cannot pay. Depend upon him when you have a relationship that's gone bad and you couldn't control the relationship. And it's time to depend upon him during those difficult times. And God desires this. And so these particular projects come into our life for a reason. You just don't have burdens for no reason. God has a purpose and a reason for them. And sometimes when it comes to these issues that are going on, we need to look to the Lord and depend upon him, him even more. Projects prepare our hearts for the ministry. The ministry, ministering to others, actually gives us the ability then to reach other people. And you know what God says in 2 Corinthians ch- chapter number 1? The whole beginning of the chapter is talking about that God is the God of all comforts. And he's willing to give you comfort during your trials and your affliction. But it tells us why. So that you can help somebody else through their difficulty. So you can't just say, well, thank you, Lord, for getting me through that. But if you do, say, Lord, help me to help somebody else through their difficult time. Help me as they mourn over a loved one. Help me as they scramble for what to do when they come back from overseas after seeing things that are difficult. Help me to be able to help that individual that seems like it's time to give up and, and, and just take their own life or whatever. God is in the business of us that have gone through difficult times to help other people and to remain steadfast. And to continue, and that's really what this passage is all about. I, when I'm thinking about this particular understanding is, is that we have adversities for a reason. 
I will say this for adversity. People seem to be able to stand it, and that's more than I can say about prosperity. Because you may be able to handle a difficult situation, but you're not going to be able to handle prosperity. So sometimes difficulties come for the purpose of helping you understand. You know how many people can handle money when it comes to them? Very difficult. That's why the COVID crisis, the response has been worse than the problem. You give somebody that's struggling with temptation $1,400 in their bank account, guess what they're going to do with it? Have they been known to save and to make wise decisions? No. But you're going to give them a little card that actually gives them access to maybe as many drugs that will take them into their death? It's a possibility. So we think, oh, pastor, you're against everything. And by the way, let me just say this. I'm white. It doesn't matter what color you are as long as you tell the truth and live in truth. Don't you love it when the character of individuals are looked at rather than the color of their skin? That, that, That needs to be reminded, but I think really that the problem with Grace Baptist Church is their pastor's white. That's what they're thinking. You know, it's just my project, and I'll get through it. Little boy and his mother were walking through the park one day, and the winds began to blow. It was toward the evening, and then the sky became dark, and the leaves began to fall from the trees, and the branches started moving further, and some of the branches fell. And the boy looked up at his mother and said, I wish someone would just cut these trees down so the wind would stop. Sometimes we don't realize that difficulties come to us because God desires for us to stay steadfast even when the wind blows. And even when the culture changes, and even when people decide to make poor decisions, you still are able to stay steadfast. And sometimes it's going to be people that are real close to you. Could be one of your children. Could be a brother or a sister or even a grandfather that would make wrong decisions. And how are you going to respond to it? Remember also that it's not just the trees, but the wind that is creating the problem. And if godly people are going to continue to be steadfast, it's going to take a vision to do so. And that vision must include an active faith. And really what God is telling us in his word in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, giving us an understanding of the passage that we can stay and remain steadfast. If our text this morning, of course, in verse number 58 is true, look look with me, if you would, at the verse again. The Bible says, therefore... And it's basically talking about what came before this verse. Now, we cap this verse off and say this is the good verse to have as your life verse. But really, the whole passage is is good for us. But the word, therefore, my beloved brethren, is talking about that which comes before in the passage. And so, therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not vain, in vain, in the Lord. So being steadfast involves really what comes before that. Look what it says in verse number 51 again. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. 
in, in, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and then the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. So it's talking about the dead, of course, will be changed. The, the dead in Christ shall rise first, and then we that are alive and remain will be caught up together to meet him in the air. This particular verse is in harmony with, with uh, 1 Corinthians chapter, or 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. And then it says really clearly here, verse 53, for this corruptible must put on incorruption and this mortal must put on immortality, must put on that which is eternal. And so there is going to be a time when we are going to be changed. Have you ever said to someone, boy, you've changed since the last time I've seen you? Someone I was recently I was talking to um, was talking to me and talked about the beard and different things, how I've changed in appearance somewhat and, and looked, you know, but it's nothing compared to the change that's going to happen to me when the trumpet sounds. And, the, and, and you know what? You're going to get rid of this old body of yours. It seems like gravity is sucking it to the ground, right? It just seems like you can't get up and keep moving. How many have had trouble getting up in the morning? You know, to be honest. But it, it, it seems like it's growing as I get older. I'll be 60 in June. I'm thinking... My goodness, I'm hanging around with 80-year-olds now and thinking it's cool. And it is. But I thought about this concerning my own difficulties and my own body is changing rather quickly. And someday we are going to put on that incorruptible. Verse 54, so when the incorruptible shall have put on incorruption and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up with victory. Oh, death, where is thy sting? No grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. Of course, we understand that we've sinned deeply when we begin to view the law of God and what God expects of us. But thanks be to God, which given us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, then, my beloved brethren, be steadfast. And so he's giving us encouragement in the previous verses. Therefore, because of these previous facts that were delivered earlier by beloved brethren to be steadfast, Barn writes this concerning it. He wrote, therefore, my beloved brethren, in view of the great and glorious truths which have been revealed to us respecting the resurrection, Paul closes the whole of this important discussion with the exhortation that the firmness in the faith which uh, ought to result from the truths so glorious and from hopes so elevated to these truths are fitted to impart. The exhortation is so plain that it needs little explanation. It's so obviously follows from the argument which Paul pursued that there is little need to attempt to be enforced. And he's saying, basically, because of the resurrection, we can stay steadfast. Aren't you glad there's going to be a resurrection? Listen, folks, if there was no resurrection, we wouldn't have church today. We'd be fishing somewhere. Because we would think, that, you know, my life is just going to be 70 years and maybe three score and 10, and maybe God will give me 10 more years besides that. And then what do you do? If there's no resurrection, we go to the grave and we remain there and we turn to dust and then we just tip over. But what Paul was doing was driving home the truth that you can stay steadfast in your troubles and in your difficulties because there is a resurrection. And if your difficulties get so bad that you have to let go of every earthly possession, 
and you're laying on that deathbed, and you're wishing you would have done more for him, perhaps, but during that time, you're saying, Lord, I'm giving up everything. I now want to grab your hand. And as you do, remember this, that you'll be absent from the body and present with the Lord immediately. Jesus said to that man on the cross, what? Today you'll be with me in paradise. He didn't have to go to a holding tank. He didn't have to go through all kinds of rituals. Today he was going to be with Jesus in his wonderful garden because he's the king of kings and he's the Lord of lords. And so what happens to us when we die? We go to be with him if we've accepted him, if we've received Christ as our savior. And so he's giving us this understanding and helping us to know that we actually have a heaven that we gain. Well over 300 verses are concerned uh, with the subject of Jesus' resurrection in the New Testament. And we're told that this event is a sign for unbelievers as well as the answer for the believer's doubt. It serves the guarantee that Jesus' teachings are true and is the center of the gospel itself. And further, the resurrection is the really the, the, the backbone, if you would, or the baseline for evangelism. The key indication of the believer's daily power to live the Christian life is actually drawn from the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The resurrection even addresses the fear that people may have of dying. It addresses all of that to know that God has removed the sting of death through the Lord Jesus Christ. And he went through it for us. He came out of the grave alive. And just as the stone was rolled away and Jesus stood up and walked out bodily, we will be with him bodily in a new body with the Lord in the heaven forever. In one of the lighter moments, Benjamin Franklin penned his own epitaph. He didn't profess to be a born-again Christian, but it seems to me like he had some understanding of Paul's influence in the teaching of the resurrection because he wrote these words. Write this down. The body of B. Franklin, printer, like the cover in an old book, its, its contents torn out and stripped of its lettering and gilding, lies here, food for worms, but the work shall not wholly be lost, for it will, as he believed, appeared once more in a new, in a more perfect edition, corrected and amended by the author. And so staying steadfast in this understanding involves faith and truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ and making sure that we emphasize the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It is the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and that's the gospel. That's what's quickened our hearts. That's what helps us to be stable in a world of chaos that we see today. The second thing I think about is grounding yourself in the truth. So the first thing really is to be steadfast, but now we've got to ground ourselves in the truth. What is the truth? The word of God is the truth. Sometimes we tell our kids stories and and sometimes they ask us to do it. You know, I remember when uh, my young guys were just growing up and and, uh, now I got my grandsons and not too long ago, they were just little guys and they were sleeping upstairs in our house. We've got a log home and they were up there in the bedroom and it was my turn to go up and talk with them and, 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 and to pray with them and guide them through while they're going to sleep. And they were saying, tell me another story, Grandpa. Tell me another story. You know what came to my mind? I will, but I'll tell you the truth. I could tell them stories about three little bears, you know. I don't know if that actually happened. 
And was it three little pigs or was it three little bears? I know this little piggy went to the market. That has to do something with something, too, about a piggy. Or maybe it was more than three bears because wasn't her mama, daddy, and baby bear? So there was three. Yeah. But I don't know if those stories ever were real. I could tell them a deer story, you know. Probably fabricate it a little bit, say the bigger buck, you know. But I'd rather just tell them a story from the scriptures. How that when maybe somebody along the roadside was misunderstood and looked down to and Jesus caught their eye and said, bring him to me. Or Jesus went and put his hand on their shoulder and said, I'm here. You know, and all the, the records aren't even put in the Bible of how many people Jesus healed, how many people he helped, and how many things and miracles happened when Jesus was on this earth. But I'm telling you, folks, every single story you read in the scriptures is true. I think the one of how the woman, how she takes a little red scarlet thread and puts it out. It was this morning's devotion. and Maybe you saw Charles Spurgeon this morning. I try to, I try to beat you up in the mornings. You can say, Pastor, beat me up. 2.30 is probably the time I usually put on and post a, a little message to you from the scriptures. This morning I was talking about that thread that went out the window and the faith of Rahab. Wasn't it Rahab? Yeah. What a beautiful story to tell your children of a faith of somebody who wouldn't normally have faith, but she did. These are true stories. I need to move along. Really, it's, it's important for us to be grounded in the truth. And the only way that you can be grounded in the truth is to receive the truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man comes to the Father but by me. And then the third thing, I think, is really not letting anyone else move you. Because if you're not careful, people will move you. Now, the Bible is actually saying here, Therefore, my beloved brother, and be steadfast, unmovable. That's what it's talking about, being unmovable. Um, in the position, Acts chapter 20, 24 says, But none of these things move me, neither count I my life dear unto myself, that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I have received of the Lord to testify the gospel of the grace of God. That is to be not moved by any temptation or tribulation or from either from faith or from my hope to be moved from that obedience of the gospel of Jesus Christ and let no fear of the cross of Christ make you weary, even if you have to take on the yoke and settle with that and continue to move forward. And sometimes people will come along and wear you out. Sometimes people will come along and push you the wrong way. But you need to purpose in your heart that you're going to be unmovable, unmovable, steadfast and unmovable for the Lord. It's your decision. People can God can prompt you. By the way, he's the initiator of that. He's loved you first. That's why you love him. He's prompted you to pray. He's prompted you to read your Bible. He's the initiator of your relationship, and he'll remain with you, and he will continue to draw you. Open your eyes and see him. He's asking you to come to him. And even moved by any person, Jude actually speaks of this. Jude 1.4 says, For there are certain men crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men, turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness. 
and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. They're denying him by not giving him preeminence. And they're saying, you can follow me. And then turning the grace of God and say, oh, we're living in the day of grace. Do you understand that God's grace has been given to you so that you can live godly? It's a power to live godly, not to live loosely. And so if the preacher's up there telling you, well, it's the day of grace. We can just do whatever we want to do. Bring the drums in. Bring all that stuff in. You know, sometimes people say, well, I don't know whether I should leave a church or not. Man, if they don't have the right translation of the Bible or they have the wrong kind of music, walk out. Go strengthen a church that's doing what is true and honest and real. You say, wait, you're being judgmental, Pastor. I know. Let me do that. You don't have to. Let me tell you the truth. That what we need more today than ever is good, strong, fundamental, independent, Bible-believing churches that still preach the Word of God. The way it was written. We get so upset about the Constitution and the errors that are going on. What about the Bible? God didn't say that. He said this. I think it's important for us to understand that these are spots in our feasts of charity. When they feast with you, feeding themselves without fear, clouds they are without water, carried about with winds, trees whose fruit wither without fruit, twice dead, plucked up by the roots. Jude goes on to say they're raging waves of the sea, foaming out their own shame, wandering stars to whom is reserved the blackness and the darkness forever. In order to stay steadfast, I've, I've got to stay the course, and so do you always engaging in doing the will of God. And this is so important. Always abounding in the word of God and always abounding in the will of God. Let me just give you a few things to think about and I'm all done. Be obedient and and let's get practical here. In order for me to be able to do the will of God, the first thing I need to do is to be witnessing to others. Now, if you don't have a good testimony, you might not want to give it to somebody else. But if you've come to Christ and you've been born again and you're confident that you're saved, go tell somebody. That's part of witnessing. That's part of really the will of God for your life. He left you after salvation so that you would actually lead others to him. His power will come and give you that. Servant leadership is great, a great way of showing that you've been saved and you're continuing to do the will of God. Mark chapter 10, verse number four, 5 says, For even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life ransom for many. Someone wrote this. It was a quote, Christ reputiates status-seeking. Someone who wants the status but doesn't really want the burden. Of, of, of really taking forth and doing what God wants you to do. Use hospitality one to another without grudging in 1 Peter 4, verse number 9. The measure of a man's greatness is not how many people serve him, but how many he serves. Say, how can I serve? I think you can serve in Sunday school, teach Sunday school. The Sunday school is the church organized to fulfill the purpose of the church the purpose of those that are called out to assemble. Serve through community outreach. I'm going to give you a few things to think about when it comes to serving the community. How could we do that here at Grace Baptist Church? Real practical. Let me give you 10 of them. The first thing is to cook up some brats and hamburgers and tell the police they can come in and have a few brats and hamburgers if they want. Why not do something good for the law enforcement officers? 
they are not, they're under a lot of pressure today, aren't they? More so than they were even yesterday. You know, the fight against, there is a desire for lawlessness. And we're trying to push back the flood. Now, the restrainer is going to be removed. We know that the Holy Spirit will remove the restrainer and the Christians will be removed during the rapture. And then, and then Nancy Pelosi and, and her crew will be happy. Because they can do whatever they want to do. But right now, those that have a brain that know that a law is a law and ought to, ought to abide by the laws are still trying to fight this fight. So we need to pray for them. Set up a pregnancy center with free pregnancy testings. We have that here in Madison. It's called the Access Women's Center. So it's part of the process of helping. I thought about pass out water for cancer, cancer fundraising walks and races. Why not go out there with, and how could we get a bottle wrapped in some kind of a plastic that actually has the gospel on it? Yes. Somehow that they could get the gospel to these people, but you can do this. It is possible. A free car wash or free oil change in a wash for single moms. How about going and cleaning up the parks? How about visiting your district representative, district representative, and then pray with them in their office? Friday, I was able to go in and, and meet with some of the, the representatives here in Madison, or, or here in Wisconsin, I should say. I was actually visiting uh, the representative for District 26 up in the Waupon area, and, and I walked in. And by the way, let me just say this really quick and publicly. I don't care if I'm on Facebook. I walked up to the Capitol, and I walked into the Republican side of things, and everybody was, wearing, everybody was not wearing a mask, and they were smiling. I go into the Democratic side, and they're all wearing masks, and they don't want to have any eye contact. Yeah. I, you say, you're bringing political... No, they're the ones that are bringing this into our culture. We just want the truth, don't we? Now, I'm not saying that wearing a mask is a bad thing. I'm not saying that not wearing a mask is a good thing. I'm telling you that there is a division. And I walked in to talk to some people today that had smiles on their face. They were ready to pray. They listened to the scriptures. And on the other side, they have no time for me. Because they have made their decision. And those are the ones that are in charge of our public school systems. I'm telling you, folks, unless the church does something... We're going to lose the next generation. And by the way, we don't need another gathering at the Capitol. We need another gathering and a prayer meeting at the church house. That's what we need. Because we can bring down the power of God to change this. We can't do it ourselves. We must have God's help. It's gone too far. We need God's help and intervention. Think about this, how that we can make sack lunches for college students in your community and then take it up there and give them the sack lunch, but make sure there's a track in the bag. Make sack lunches for the homeless community, but make sure you have an RU track in the bag. Take a group of elderly to, 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 to a care center to sing hymns outside, by the way. They can open their windows, and you can stay in the parking lot and still sing. We did that for, for Christmas caroling this year. You can do that. There are things that we can do, church. And there, there is ways that we can get the word of God out to the lost, ask to, to meet with the chief of police and pray for him. But let me just tell you that there are certain things that we can actually do within ourselves. i got to move quickly. I think it's important for us to take a group of people to people who have not been in the church in the last six months. 
and go to their home and just stand in the yard and, and greet them. If they're too afraid to come to church, if they're too fearful to, to come, then let's just go to them. And, and let's, let's say hi to them. We can take something, put it on the porch, maybe, you know, um, some, some cookies or something, or we'll probably have to buy it, put it, in, you know, put it in plastic bags, but give it to them and say, look, uh, we're here. Why not do something that'll help them? We can do that, church. We can sing to them even. And then we can wave and say, we'll see you as soon as this is over. But we can do some things. Have a, have a get acquainted night where you just have a business meeting, a uh, quarterly meeting, and then afterwards you have no evening service, but bring people to your house afterwards. Why can't we do that tonight? Are we too busy to have people over during the week when there's a non-business meeting? Well, maybe we could use our business meeting to help our own church by having people over. We could do that tonight. Have, have the widows uh, make a list of projects that they need to be done and then send a man with a teen, teen or a teen boy to go fix up the projects and send somebody along and train the young man doing it and say, well, I'd like to do that, Pastor. Uh, give me a list of the widows in our church and I'll go help them out. Then, then, then have at it. Folks, I'm sitting there in my office and I'm praying and I'm seeking God and I'm working and I'm trying to administrate, but there are people that are not having their needs met that are attached to Grace Baptist Church. Have teen afterglows. Sign up some of the people in our church to have the teenagers over and have that individual that is hosting it, have that man preach to them young people. And if he can't preach, then just give his testimony what God's done to him. Have the teen girls make cookies and deliver them to the elderly. Have a secret mom program where sometimes the, the, child's don't, the children don't know who, who their secret mom is and then write them letters and give them birthday presents and take care of them during the year. Pick a family, number seven, and, and all year uh, collect non-perishables through the year and at the end of the year at, at, at Thanksgiving, well, if we have to take a pickup truck, let's take a pickup truck to someone's house and say, you got to shed someplace we can put all your food in? Somebody that never has had their cupboards full. There are people like that here at Grace Baptist Church. Folks, if we get our eyes off of ourselves and start thinking about others, God will help us to reach this community for Christ. Amen. Send flowers to women who are sick. And then send chocolate to men who are sick. I don't know. I just <laughs> Maybe the other way around. I don't know. Have a big tent meeting outside and have the whole community come to it. I just got a little letter in the mail from our community. They're having like a block party thing. And, and they're actually having things that I probably wouldn't have at my party. But guess where I'm going? I'm going to a block party. My wife and I are going to go down. I'm going to introduce ourselves. Because the Bible says love your neighbor. And maybe if I wouldn't judge them so much, maybe they could be saved. Amen? Amen. You see, there's, there's hope, friends. And God has established a local church. God did this. Some people say, well, I just don't, I just don't believe in the local church anymore. Yeah. The definition of servant leadership is servant leadership is leadership that will faithfully meet the needs of those around them but will not selectively do it. 
They will serve anyone at any time, any way that God asks them to do it. You say, well, I, I'd like to be a little bit more up front. And out front. You know what? God desires for you to take care of the needs of those that can't help themselves. This is hard. It's 11.30 and I have three quarters of my message still. But every head bowed and every eye closed for a moment this morning. Maybe God has spoke to your heart already. He's been speaking to it last week. What more can I do? Where can I get involved? There was a a need here this last week and we were thinking about the church mowing and different things and there's always some place for you to serve dear friend maybe it's the serving and helping with the RU on Friday nights maybe it's for the nursery maybe it's for something else teaching Sunday school cleaning the church and you now realize that it's time to take your focus off of you and to think about somebody else And God has prompted your heart this morning that you come and talk to him about it. We're going to give an invitation. Maybe it's for church membership. Maybe it's to come and be baptized. We want you to come this morning. So with everyone's eyes closed, would you just stand to your feet, no one looking around? I'm going to have a word of prayer. And if you need to come this morning, whatever the need is, you come. Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would guide in the invitation. In Jesus' name, amen.